Hello and welcome to another episode of the Stelvio Chronicles. I'm Sean Smith and I'm joined by Christopher Strickland. Hello. And Sam Green. Hello. Right. Gentlemen, today we're discussing Chris's car of the decade, of last decade, the <laughs> the uh, Formula E Gen 2 and uh, the recent Santiago E-Prix, which happened in Santiago, funnily enough. Yeah. And he's a terrible track layer, and I don't care what anybody else says. Yeah, I don't like it, I'll be honest. Today we're going to be discussing, we'll today we're going to be discussing yeah. the, the 2020 Santiago E-Prix, um, some of the Formula E news in general, what happened, and uh, yeah, we're just going to be having some fun. So, gentlemen, we have half an hour. Let's talk about the Santiago E-Prix. Round three of the 2020 or 19-20 Formula E Championship. Well, I think the first opening remark is, why don't drivers know where their front wings are? <laughs> yes, this is what I think. I completely agree. These drivers, some of the... Uh, let's give them their credit. So these are some of the best drivers globally. Well, you've got Felipe Massa, who drove for Ferrari. Granted, he's getting on a bit, but he has plenty of experience, so he should be especially aware of where his front wing is. Jean-Eric yeah. Verne, ex-Red Bull graduate. Two and, times champion. Yeah, two times champion. Two times champion. Sebastian Boemi. Maxi Gunther. I mean, you know, you just keep listing them off. Sandberg, blah 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 blah. You current, just list them off. None of them are where a front wing is. Apart yeah. from, apart from current Formula Two champion Nick De Vries. I didn't see him anyone. No, but I also didn't no, really probably see him because he wasn't actually anything. on the screen. <laughs> yeah, he was just running his own race, which is probably a good way of doing it. But yeah, I have to say, speaking as someone obviously who's involved in sort of stewarding and marshalling of motorsports the driving standards were just awful they were pretty bad i mean was it john eric's Verne's pass on um maxi gunther no oh, no it was the other tachita it wasn't uh, uh, it's not the costa yeah yeah no, it's no, the no, costa. that that what was that i mean if i had seen that on a marsh you know, on a race that i was like marshalling that's a penalty I think that's probably why I let him back pass, even though he didn't did he? actually let him back pass. I'd say he didn't let him back pass, did he? He got past and then he said, went, right, well done. Now you've got to slow down. <laughs> yeah. Um, to put it very mildly, the Santiago E-Prix 2020 was a bit of a crash fest. It was um, a mess. We it had was a, a mess. mess. We had a lot of drivers um, either retiring outright due to collision damage, breakages and that sort of thing, or drivers. I think both the drivers retired, didn't they? Uh, they did. Yeah, I one, think so. One for energy usage, apparently. That's disqualification. Oh, I didn't see that. Disqualification for Andre Lotterer. Um, anyway, but either they lost the cars, either broke via crashing, or they were in the pits for a long time for damage. Or in John Ray Verne's case, uh, he <laughs> he almost killed people by um, having his front wing flapping about. This, a bit. this really annoyed me. I agree. I've got. I have to say, I've, like that is beyond a joke. I I can see why he kept going, but the team, arguably the team, should have called him in for that. Well, where where are the marshals in this? Where where was um, race direction? Agreed. He should have been given the the orange spot mechanical flag and yeah. pulled into the pits right now because you can't just have bodywork hanging off, rubbing on the tire, filling the track with smoke. And him, at one point, and this is what the commentators said, deliberately hitting the wall to try and knock the bodywork off. 
wrong, and I've seen that happen a few times. I saw a famous, oh, I say famous incident. I, saw, I remember seeing an incident in the British touring cars where you had a bit of flailing bodywork and somebody <laughs> smacked a, a hair bale to remove it. But I, what I, what the difference between that one and this one is the hair bale was off track and in the middle of a field. This one's <laughs> in the middle of a circuit against a yeah. brick wall. And then when it did come off, it was laying, it was offline, I'll give him that, but it was still laying on the circuit on the pit straight. My bigger problem, though, was when he... No, that was the Nissan one. No, no, this one was on the left-hand side of um, one of the corners, I think. Yeah, of the really fast left-hander. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, the fast left-hander. The Nissan one fell on the uh, racetrack. But no, I was going to say, with Vern's one, when he then also tried to break it off by hitting the wall, and I think it was his teammate, DaCosta, was there next to him. Yeah. And, and they basically hit each other as well. Yeah. Well, you've got to remember as well, these side pods are wheel covers. Yeah. Wheel arches, yeah. whichever For you want to call them. Words, yeah. They're, you know, they're, yeah, they're all right. They're made of carbon fibre and you can carry a front wing in your hands. So these little side pods on the, the side aren't going to accumulate. But they're a big chunk of, of, uh, of material. And, you know, if your car's doing 120, 130 kilometres an hour around a corner and you and it gets hit by this chunk of carbon fibre, it could do some serious damage. Absolutely. Now, I mean, was... as they've got the halo, which in theory would stop things like that, but we've seen before that it's not going to so solve every single problem. No, it's not a fail that, No, that is there for a reason, and it will do its job, but why potentially endanger the drivers by letting him carry on like that? So what if he's a two-times champion? He should have been called in the pits to get that sorted. Now, this is how this is all, I think, part of the problem which Formula E had last year, which I didn't think was a problem. You remember last year, the Gen 2 car was very, from the fans' point of view, very well received for its ability to run really close together. There was a bit of bumping and banging, but because the car was built properly, it was able, they were able to carry <laughs> on, and generally speaking, there was no damage as such. Um, yeah, I don't have a problem with close racing. That's what we want, is wheel-to-wheel -wheel racing. However, this however. because of the, the some some people moaning about it being a bit of a crash fest, they decided to weaken the front nose section so it broke off more easily, which I think has led to this particular race. And the, because the, yeah. the drivers haven't stopped driving how they were. No. no. From what which technically you could say they should learn to not ruin that. Well, I think what you have to do then is if you're reducing the, the um, strength of the front wing connectors, then I think the way that Sam's calling about bringing them in on a mechanical flag should be part of their punishment. You know, if you're breaking a front wing and it's damaged and flapping, sorry, but you're coming in to fix that and it's your own damn fault. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, put it, put it, obviously it's completely different. I understand that. But some of the endurance events that we run at work, if someone's front bumper does come loose and it's like scraping on the floor, we'll give them, we'll give, we call it the meatball flag because the orange dot looks a bit like a meatball. Um, we give them the meatball, they come in, they reattach it, and that's kind of their penalty. And then they can go again. Once it's reattached, they're not out of the race. They just that need to fix it, that. Yeah. But they're not out of the race, no. Yeah. And there's that as well. If, if he had just yeah. come in and they'd put a new one on, I know it's a longer pit stop when they weren't really planning to have a pit stop, but yeah. he would have been able to carry on. But as it turns out, he punctured, I think he punctured the tyre, he damaged the suspension, and then left a load of debris laying on the circuit. Yeah. Yeah. Which it's is 
going to put him out of the race, potentially could put someone else out of the race if they run the debris over. Well, it could also hurt or, spectators. As we yeah. saw, remember when IndyCar had their aero kits on and the first race had like 17 safety car periods because bits were falling off all the time. I think one yeah. person was either injured or killed by a piece of debris. But it was... Yeah, it, I mean, realistically, if you make a car weaker, it's going to fall apart. <coughs> it's, going to, it's going to cause more hazards on track. It's Absolutely. I think it's a ridiculous decision from Formula E to do this. They've just bent over to a few people who say, oh, they shouldn't crash so often. And even though that's that's how... you know, Realistically, Formula E is the closest thing to touring car racing single-seaters has ever had. And yes, I don't think I don't think that's a problem as such. If the cars are built to do it, yeah, I would agree with that. Whether or not it's we... the right thing for motorsport's vision in in general, you know, when you see karting, for example, you do not want to see what they're doing necessarily on track. However, absolutely not. However, it's it's a motorsport. It's not touring cars. It's not Formula One. It's not IndyCar. It's not rallying. Why can't it be its own thing? If the cars are built to have a bit of a knock, not, you know, deliberately, but if they can stand up if if it's needed to, why should yeah. that change? The way that I always looked at it is these are cars that are, let's face it, pretty difficult to drive. On tough tracks. Yeah. On street circuits with no runoff. They need to be pretty tough. Yeah. Because the drivers are going to clatter walls. The fact, yeah. Even yeah, if exactly. it's just a little bit of coming out of one of those hairpins that they have in Santiago, getting a bit happy on the gas or throttle or whatever you call it on an electric car, <laughs> um, spinning the rear wheels and just sort of clipping the wall with the rear end. Yeah. That's going to mm-hmm. happen. The fact is, especially as, in qualifying, as Chris will probably agree with me, the, the fact is you can't be on street tracks which are constrictive in size and not expect cars to hit each other because that's how they go for overtakes and the fact and is yeah, exactly. apex I, 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 I think some of the blame has to go down to the bloke who designed the track because I mean you know you've got those two quite ugly hairpins Mickey Mouse cornerst quote a famous commentator <laughs> and it's inviting those large lunges down the inside and I'm, I'm all for overtaking but there are much much better ways of incentivizing somebody to overtake someone, then sticking a disgusting hairpin that can lead to people and pile people crashing in pileups. Well, we've seen this before. Yeah. Like the tracks, for example, in Mexico, you know, you have the when they go off the Grand Prix <laughs> track and they go into that extreme, like, stupidly tight hairpin, where they always either crash or go off off the off the circuit in some way. I I don't understand this mentality of just sticking in a hairpin because that's the only way you're going to get overtakes in Formula E. It's, I think it's wrong because you go to a fast track and the racing is better. I yeah, think. I would agree. Yeah. I don't think, realistically, because it's a street circuit, if they just took those two hairpins out, and because it's quite, it's a little bit like coming into that first second, it's a bit like the Canadian Grand Prix circuit, isn't it? It's quite a it fast is, yeah. left-hander and then into a hairpin. If they got rid of the hairpin, presumably they could just come off that fast left-hander down the pit straight. Yeah. Well, and just you... adjust it slightly, or you... put a, a little kink in, a little chicane or something. Do you guys remember slow... the old Marrakesh circuit? The really, really, not really. fast, the really no, fast one, which they always had massive accidents in the world touring cars. Oh, is this the one where they went around the, the... Is this the one where there was that famous single-seater yeah. car that flew off the 
the back of another car going yeah. into like a, a right left. Yeah, that one. Yeah. That, oh, I don't remember the, oh, yeah. I remember that, that corner. The fact is, that track, for a street circuit, sure, it was a bit dangerous because it was a bit fast, but it's it also invited proper racing and overtaking into from in, into a a well a well viewed corner so you could see you could had chance to see instead of going around a corner where you where you'll have a, a blind spot from the walls you're able to sort of track the cars around you and and race properly in that regard sure but open wheel cars and even touring cars do have crashes that's racing you're pushing yeah. the cars to the limit you're you're push trying not to get overtaken that's a natural a natural thing but it's it's so annoying <laughs> with Formula E, like with, with, with their they, when the commentators say, and they got through cleanly through turn one, and you just heard this of carbon fiber for the last like twenty seconds. It's, yeah, <laughs> it's just the, it's, I don't know. I don't like the way that it was going currently. Like if that makes sense, the, that race I think just summed it up for me of. The driving standards were not good. The cars, I Pretty still cool. like the cars. The yeah. track wasn't great. It's Chris Carr, the decade. Well, exactly. So it must be decent. Well, I mean, you know, come on. I'm here for the technology, not for what it's involved in. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I think there's just better options. I think it's the tracks. I honestly think it's the track and the fact that the, the people running it decided to make the front wing weaker, which is just ridiculous. But Yeah. Hey ho! Should we get to the actual? If they were, sorry. If they were tighter on the driving standards, the front wing wouldn't be a problem. Nope. Yep. I would. I would say that. And I don't. You, I don't think realistically you should ever intentionally make a car weaker. Absolutely not. Uh, you should really... always be trying to make it stronger or better or whatever it is, I... or faster at the very least, faster. The only time the bit should fall off a car <laughs> is if it has a massive accident and needs to disperse energy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. There, no problem with that. If it's designed to break off in a crash, fine. But they weren't enough of a crash to put the driver in any real harm's way. No. And the car would have been able to carry on. You see it in F1 with their well, even even to be honest, this year where the wings were so much simpler, you saw it a lot less of little tiny bits of wing damage where they have to come in and change the wing. Yeah. You see it a lot less now, and I think their front wings are so simple. I know that's the idea that most of it's like ground effect and underside downforce. That's fine, but just make them a bit stronger as they were last year, and you won't have this problem. Well, as we saw, you guys watched IndyCar last year, um, and you, see, you, I think you did see a couple of races from the, back in the day when they had the the massive aero kits and bits falling off all the time. IndyCars yeah. are able to race closely with a bit of bumping and boring, as you, you two both saw, and yeah. and it's perfectly fine. Why, why can't yeah. Formula E run that sort of practice? Absolutely. I think there's there's not enough, there's almost not enough respect between the FE drivers yeah. for each other. Agreed. That they just, they see a gap, they go for it. They don't think, actually, I've got another 40 minutes left of this race. I'll wait. Whereas in IndyCar, I think because the speed potentially is that much higher, they have that mentality from oval racing as well, that you can't just lunge up the inside of someone and hope they get out of the way. Yeah. You yeah. have to actually plan what you're going to do. Whereas I think in Formula E, you've almost got the opposite. They just see half a gap, they go for it, and if you don't get out of the way, well, why didn't you get out of the way? 
That's wrong. That's not racing. That's crashing. What do you think, Chris? Well, I, I, I agree with Sam, but at the same time, you've got to think to yourself, well, if they didn't do that, you would never go for an opportunity because of how tight the street circuit is. So it's finding this nice, tight balance between a bit of rubbing, because rubbing is racing, and clean, respectful racing, where you're not just putting your front nose in somebody's diffuser just to unsettle the rear end and push yourself through. So I mean, That annoyed me as well. I saw that a few times in San, at the Santiago race. We saw it was just sort of like the mid to early BTCC 2010s. Well, it's, you, you see that in like corporate level karting. It's called loading, where you basically, when they're trying to slow down, you use them as your brake, mm. which is just, you, it's just wrong. It's not allowed in like cadet level karting, let alone Formula E. Yeah. It shouldn't be, it's just, it's just wrong. It's, Shall we, need we to sort, of sort it out. I can I can hear Sans like on the verge of tears. He sounds really upset. <laughs> but no, just, we... It's annoying. It's really really annoying when like these drivers are supposed to be like World idols class. for yeah. the next generation, and they're driving like for want of a better word, they're driving like absolute arseholes. Fact. Yeah. Speaking Fact. of the next generation, shall we talk about the actual race result? And who? Yes. Because I was actually quite pleased when he won this because of how he was overtaken about two laps before. So, the race was won. The Santiago E3 2020, <laughs> 17 minutes into the discussion, was won by uh, Maximilian Gunter for Andretti BMW uh, with a pretty good overtake on Antonio Felix da Costa for, in, in, actually, in da Costa's old car, funnily enough. Um, yeah, driving for DS Cheetah. And third place was Mitch Evans in the Jaguar. Followed by Pascal Verlein, Nick DeFree, Stoffel Van Dorn, Lucas DeGrasse, he's an old person, so we don't know about him. Uh, <coughs> Collado Massa and Bird were the point scorers. Now, yeah, Gunther, I first saw him years ago in Formula 3, and he was solid. I didn't think he was amazing. So I'm, I'm fairly happy he's, he's, he's adapted this quickly, this well, to Formula 3. And yeah, as you say, Sam, it was a good overtake, considering what DaCosta may or may not have done <laughs> two laps beforehand. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's, it was one of the only completely clean overtakes I saw all race, I'll be honest. <laughs> um, and it was a good move. He lined it up. He got it done under braking. Clean. Uh, I know, admittedly, as soon as... Um, who was it? Second place. Costa. Yeah, DaCosta. DaCosta. As soon as DaCosta got past him, the team came on the radio and told him he was overheating the batteries and he needed to slow it down a bit uh which obviously then benefited gunther i don't have a problem with that that's racing you've got to look after the car um you've got to get to the end to win it sort of thing but yeah. uh i think the way that he was he lost first position was not a good overtake and then he didn't rise to it he got it done properly and i think that speaks volumes and he yeah. drove really really well as well the yes. whole race yeah. he had good man good power management um he looked after the car he hadn't done any stupid overtakes or anything like that he just done what he needed to do uh and ended up in the lead and that's that's the way it should have been i think I mean, he drove really well and it was a good maiden victory he qualified second so that's showing he's, he was good all weekend yeah, yeah. Mm. I think you did very well. Yeah, so, and that's one thing. Now, as much as we don't like to cost his last overtake, 
he did rise from 10th on the grid. Yeah, no. Um, that, uh, was, that was very good. That was a good drive. It was well driven. I just don't like how he did it on the last race, on the last few laps, and I think that kind of ruined it for me, I'll be yeah. honest. Now, Chris, you, you're you're a man who likes a good Jaguar. Uh, I, well, I suppose you could say that. Yeah. So Mitch Evans, <laughs> Mitch Evans, pole position, dominated the early laps, lost out, came third. Discuss. War and wrong. Well, I just think wrong. I suppose the one thing was the fact that he did a, almost a back-to-back um, attack mode moment, which you know, as much as I'm not entirely sure how the strategy works nowadays with attack mode. Because obviously before they used to take it during the safety car periods, whereas now they're not allowed to, so it's a bit different. They've been worried about um, the yeah. overheating issue from that attack mode gives you by running the battery and motors at a higher power. Um, so I, I can only imagine he was that confident that he could hold them off, that he just wants to get that out of the way and not worry about energy consumption at the end of the race. Yeah. But, yeah, I think know, that was what it was. I mean, time, that's what it... That's what it came down to in the end, wasn't it? He just he was overheating the car, had to slow it down, and that's why they caught him. Yeah. Yeah, but for me, if I, I'd have personally, if it was I was Jaguar, I'd have had my first one, and then DaCosta would have had his first one, <laughs> and then I would have held on to mine until DaCosta used his. Hmm. Yeah, call his bluff. So that you're you essentially going last. It's almost, like, it's almost like what they did with pit stops back in F1. You know, you waited for them to go into the pits so that you Legal. go into the pits to get the lap next so that they don't overtake you. You have to try and build that engine strategy when you take exactly. it. Yeah. I also, I, for some reason, I I thought... Sorry, Chris, I was talking over you there. Take it. I just think they made the wrong call. Doing this yeah, I think it was, it was a strategy error, I think, wasn't it, really? Yeah. Um, and that led to a mechanical, not problem, but... Well, it was a problem rather than a failure. It was suppose, a deficit, but... is what it was. it was. It was a problem down the line. Now, yeah, yeah I mean, it's it's... It cost him potentially the win. Um, however, it was nice to see the Jaguar back on pace after a pretty dire first couple of races. Now, I'm only, I might possibly be saying this because um, DeCosta and Evans are my championship um, votes this year. Um, but I, I want to see more. I want to see more from the Jaguar. <laughs> I want to see them just get something right. And yeah, just. Oh, we've been in it, what? Four seasons now? Something like that, yeah. Something and they haven't they've won I'm pretty sure they've won one or two races. Yeah, Mitch Evans won a couple of races last year. But you would think for the for the manufacturer that they are, their returns should be bigger. But now they've got the likes of Porsche, Mercedes, you've still got Audi in there, you've got um you've got Citroen, you've got Nissan. You're sort of looking at them and going, I think you're just gonna end up being like a midfield pack type Type team. It's touch and go. Yeah. But that's the case for a lot. As I said in my article a few, I think it was last month. Um, it's it's like that for so many teams. You know, you look at Neo, you look at Venturi, you look at um, Dragon, for example, Mahindra. You know, how, where will they fit in in this order? Can they compete <laughs> with the bigger teams? Where did Titich come in? Sure, they're they're Citroen DS now, but before then, where the hell would they were they to go? Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's difficult, isn't it? Because there's so many manufacturers, it's actually going to make it more and more difficult for the smaller teams. Yeah, I mean, looking at the constructor championship right now, it's currently BMW on sixty points, Mercedes second on fifty six, Audi, uh, the Virgin Audi team thirty eight, Audi, 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 um, thirty two, 
and then Jaguar 31. I mean, that's those are five blue chip companies. Yeah, big yeah. manufacturers with big budgets. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the biggest problem you've got as being a small team like Neo to Cheetah and so on and so forth is, you know, let's say you get a wonder kid on your engineering team and your car jumps halfway up the grid because of said wonder kid software, for instance. How long before one of the teams go, how long before one of the manufacturer teams go, oh, he's all right, here's double your paycheck, please come to our team. Well, did that? Yeah. Yeah, we don't know. Obviously, (coughs) the other way around. Did that happen with DaCosta going from BMW to Tatita? Because they were obviously winning for the last two years. But it's, has he made the wrong decision by not staying stay BMW? More than likely, because BMW is a works team. Yeah, you've got DS on Tachita's side, but DS is just a subsidiary of Citroen, whereas BMW is bloody BMW. Technical term. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think we see that you'll see this in a lot of motorsports, though, realistically, that if you market it at independent teams the manufacturers won't be interested hmm. if you market it at factory support the independent teams suffer yeah no definitely definitely it's always been the, the way isn't it you have the factory teams and then you have the satellite teams for one of the better words still different moto gp hmm. of teams that are kind of connected to one but not really they're kind of just yeah. independent so Neo are the only the, the, the original champions of Formula E with uh, Nelson Piquet Jr. It's currently on zero points. The only team not to score. But they're technically Neo make a road. Well, they did. They've made a road car, haven't they? They've made two. two there you go. Cars. So uh, do they count as a manufacturer now? Well, or not? I'd, I'd say so. They've, they've In the same way, they make a road car, so they're a manufacturer. They're not like to cheetah. Who That's are, true. Who yeah. are just a race team? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Dragon, who are um, Penske in all but name. I say, yeah, they're Penske, aren't they? Yeah, they're second last on two points, and they've got good drivers. I think it's. Mm. Um, and then Mahindra, obviously, they used to be you know contenders when they had lots of drivers. Nick Highfield was there for a long time. They were sort of. Yeah, I was going to say they had Heinz and Bruno Senna was probably one of their best seasons. Yeah, Porsche. They 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 had a good. Second place in the first race, but since then they've struggled. That's fine. It's their first year, as expected. Uh, Venturi should be doing better, but they're Mercedes-backed. Um, Nissan, Nissan, Renault, seventh place. You know they were they were top two for years under under the Edams Cheese Renault team. Yes. Yeah. Uh, then you got DS Cheetah, who are DS. Obviously, they're sixth place. You know you, you think they've won it for the last two years. They got Vernon and Costa. Debatably, because of crashes, that that's the only reason they haven't done better. But yeah, seventh place is not what you expect from that team. As you say, it does bring forward the idea that the manufacturers are going to be the players. Yeah, I think that is the way it'll end up going. And as they allow more development of the cars, they it's only going to go that way even more. I mean, Virgin are doing incredibly well just because they got a really good Audi deal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. Shall we move on? Because yes. I've got another thing that we found that couple, I think is yeah. Last couple of minutes of the podcast, um, we're going to quickly discuss the alternative slash junior feeder series that Formula E might have to contend with one day, which uh, Sam has found. So, go ahead, mate. So it's it's called Formula ERA. We're not a hundred percent sure what the ERA stands for. 
but it's an electric oh, essentially it's an electric formula four i know what it sounds it stands for it stands for electric racing academy oh well there we go so that kind of realistically sums up pretty well what it's about it, the idea is that it's a junior series that is electric now there's there isn't any of those currently so it kind of fills a fairly what well, i say a fairly large portion of the market but uh, it's a fairly small hole because in terms of electric racing there's only really formula e to go into yeah well, I mean, but, you've got the IPS Trophy Series, but that's not really single-seater. Yeah, it's mostly single yeah, it's touring car, and there is that new Extreme E as well, which I don't know if you've seen, which is like Dakar but electric. Yeah, we, um, we weren't impressed. They're quite, they're quite interesting, to be fair. Um, but yeah, I, I think it will fill a hole, and from what I've heard, it's going to be cheaper than most Formula Four series. Um, the cars are there's two classes of car one is innovation class and the other one the name escapes me what was it have you got the page there sean uh, i did but i've closed it hang on it's okay so there's, there's essentially there's two classes one where you're Sport. allowed to develop the car a little bit one where it's a factory car basically and you just drive it yeah um which again makes sense it's going to reduce that cost if you want to run in that class you do quite well then you can move up to the innovation class um so you've almost got two series running in tandem sports class um, is the other one sam sorry the sports class is the other one there we go the sports class so yeah so that kind of again that kind of sums it up it's about the driver and then the innovation class is more about the team um and yeah i think it's a good idea yeah i mean i i just have my precautions about it because you hear about feeder single series that let's be honest it's promising it sounds like it ticks every single box you could want from a feeder series it's almost like a golden ticket into motorsport in terms of the electric side and for me that just seems kind of fishy i think sean do you want to read out the stats for the car uh, it's 130 to a, uh, kilowatts, which is about 175 horsepower. The top speed is 190, or just under 120 miles an hour. Uh, 24 kilowatt hour battery pack, which is pretty big. Um, it's a Formula 4 homologated chassis. Um, all the normal race car stuff you'd expect in terms of crash structure. Uh, yeah, the the information on the website is pretty limited. However, what does it say? How long a race is going to be? I think you said oh, it was twenty three minutes. It's something. Hang on, I did see that. It's it's it, it, they're showing the the sort of. We'll give you a link on the on the page, but it's. It does seem like it's going to be an interesting series. It's it's basically sim running a similar format <laughs> to what, um, a lot of feeder series do in having lots of events in one day. And yeah, I've completely lost that page. Hey, <laughs> oh, that's all right. But no, basically, I think what it is is their plan is to have Saturday practice, Found Sunday it. qualifying, and the race. Yeah, practice session twenty I minutes. Think is their plan, and it's all you know. These these cars are one hundred and seventy odd brake horsepower. I think they're meant to run for about twenty three minutes per race. Yeah, and they're all meant to cost a nice, cool hundred million. Oh, sorry, hundred million. Hundred thousand. Hundred thousand quid. And I'm sat. You, you read these, and you think to yourself, "Is it?" 
Because that sounds very promising. It sounds like it'll be a good series, but I, I, I think it might be a unicorn. Yeah, two test events. I think there'll be lots of promising things with a few test demonstrations from some cars. Then they'll run into manufacturing issues because the car get the cost right. <laughs> then they increase the cost. Then the cars underperform. You don't get the feeder series that you really wanted to, and it just all sort of spirals from there. But I'd like to be proven wrong. Yeah. Practice session 20 minutes, qualifying session 1, 15 minutes, qualifying session 2, 15 minutes. No charging is permitted between qualifying sessions. Race 1, 23 minutes. Race 2, 23 minutes. So, yeah, it's what you'd expect from a... a, a it's a fairly standard feeder series, junior series kind of format, really, yeah. isn't it? I think... Because we're seeing electric go-karts go um, these days. So we are. In, in They're quite... They're quite entertaining, yeah, actually. I have to say, they're brilliant. I'd quite like—I quite like to drive one. If anyone from Rotax is listening, I'd really want to have a go. I have driven one, and I nearly. Well, won. you've driven a—you've driven a corporate one. Yeah. They're a—they're a bit rubbish. No, they're not. They're better than than petrol corporate ones. Well, indoors. Yeah. They are. They are. That's a fact. But anyway, <laughs> the, the principles there. The, the fact is, this is this emerging technology is finally becoming mainstream quote-unquote it's moving into the the public sphere this is this needs to happen in some some regard be it proper like standard formula fours and formula threes um or a bit a new series such as this one so i i, I absolutely think it's the right thing to have it, as chris says whether or not it'll be a successful series this time round, who knows but yeah it's 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 the way things have to go I think it's a good, a good, a good thing, really. Yeah, I, I realistically, I think the more options there is for young drivers to make a mark, the better. Realistically, yeah. Uh, and the fact that they're saying it's actually going to be cheaper than F four, because I, I know a lot of people I'm that would do Formula Four if it didn't cost so much. Formula Four is not that expensive. Yeah, but it is compared to Ginetta Junior or the Mini Challenge or the Clio Cup. Yeah, but that's not that's not single seaters. It's the single seaters are always premium in terms of their price, unless it's seven fifty motor club. Well, yeah, but I mean, the way that I would try and think of it is, there's a certain number of drivers who I have been aware of in karting for a while now, who are getting to the age where they're going to potentially either go into sports cars, go into shifter go-karts, or go into single-seaters. Yeah. And very, very rarely do they actually decide to go for F4. That's a surprise, actually. And I'll tell you, I and I know one, and it is purely anecdotal, and I don't know if it's 100% true, but there's a driver called Harry Thompson... Um, who you may be aware of was was on the Red Bull Junior program. Yeah. Um, and they Red Bull basically wanted him to do uh, the Italian and the German F4 series. Uh huh. That's a normal thing for people to do. So yeah, fairly standard. Uh, he tested the car uh, and thought it was too slow. So now he's doing shifter karting instead. I don't think because that's, it feels. I'm not sure that feels a, faster. I'm not sure that's a a good decision because Mick Schumacher did Formula Four, ADAC and Italian not very long ago. Yeah, nearly one of them. 
personally, I'm not, like I said, this is only from what I've heard through people. So I don't know if he's 100% on on the money, but that's that's from what I've heard. He didn't like the car, didn't think it was quick enough, so decided to do World Championship shift of cars instead. Well, I mean, that's his his career. He, he will find out that's right. But with this, series, as, with this series, it's due to begin this summer. Um, and we shall see how it goes. I think, yeah, we might be. It might be like Chris says. It might be a bit of a unicorn. It could be the next. I, mean, week. I, I, I want to be proven wrong. Yeah, because absolutely. I think any any feeder electric series is needed and shall be, you know, quite popular in the future. It'll depend if it gets enveloped into another bigger corporation. If it ends up like Auto GP, yeah. where it's brilliant, but doesn't have the funding behind it, doesn't have the uh, the media and resource behind it. It'll fail. Yeah, it does, it kind of needs to end up a bit like the touring car support package or like F, the, the F1 support package, doesn't it? It needs yeah, to get signed right. to a bigger thing where there's a clear structure. When yeah. you need some credible drivers, some decent drivers to come out of it before people will start really thinking that's worth me doing. I mean, thinking about it, you know, it, if it went to with DTM, they've got their yeah. manufacturers in Formula E. That could be it. Well, yeah. If you want to have your eyes on the prize, that's that's who you want to be with. You want to be seen by that's the true. Audi. That is true. Um, but they've got the W Series now as well, haven't they? Yeah, so that... do they need another single-seater support series? Yeah, but the W Series is crap, though. Beyond this, beside the point is there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, is, it does exist. Um, it's right, not the I think. I, I like the idea of this ERA formula. Yeah. Um, it's most. I think the races are in, like um, Belgium, Holland, and UK. Oh, there is. A, uh, where's the one in the UK? No idea. Oh, okay. I suspect Donington Park or Brantach. It would be good to see uh, either of those. To be, be good fair, to... and I might try and go and see it. It'd be good to see um, Thruxton. That'd be amazing. Thruxton would be wicked because it's a very fast circuit. But it depends on the size of the series, I think, as well, doesn't it? And what they end up running with. Anyway. I think anyway. I think that's going to do it for our uh, electric car roundup slash rant. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, this one was very ranty, I yes. think, wasn't it? So we'll apologise for that, or not apologise, for sure. Chris, Chris won't apologise. Oh, I'm not going to apologise. Because <laughs> I'm right. I'm not going to apologise to Formula E. Yeah. Because it's their fault. Yeah. <laughs> it's anyway. all your fault. <laughs> That's going to do it for this episode of SW Chronicles. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, thank you to Sam and Chris as always. Um, follow us on social media. Um, at Stelvio Auto, at S Green Race Engineering, at whatever else we end up posting here to follow. Uh, like us on Facebook, all that. We shall see you next time. Take care and goodbye. Goodbye. Bye.